Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote-unquote summer body, as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury-free, and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford, on Feisty Media. So this month is all about marketing yourself. And because I love a good alliteration, we're calling it Market Yourself March. Uh, And we're talking to a lot of different people about how to get the word out about what it is that we're doing. I think this is especially important because so many of us are a little nervous when it comes to sharing what we're doing, whether it's on our social channels or with our friends or even trying to get our own PR. It can be really, really scary sort of telling the world what it is that you're doing, why that's cool. Just all of these things can just feel a little overwhelming, to be honest. So I wanted to talk to people who do it for a living. So Today, we are kicking off the month with my good friend, Allison Tetrick. She's been in the cycling industry for years, first as a racer, now as more of an ambassador, but she also does a lot of marketing and PR work with brands, including Specialized, uh, and really does an amazing job sort of blending her expertise and her past in cycling into these really unconventional marketing strategies for different brands. And I thought it was fascinating to get to talk to her about Uh, you know, everything in women's sport, women's cycling, and really how to get the word out about yourself or the thing that you're working on when you don't necessarily have a whole lot of money or a big company backing you, but you have a great idea. 
So I think this is a fantastic episode to kick off this month because it's just hugely inspiring and it's just such a fun time talking to Allison. You've probably heard her if you listen to other feisty media shows. She's been on a lot of different podcasts on our network and she's just always such a good time to talk to and always has something new to say. So Uh, Before we get into that, though, I did want to let everyone know that International Women's Day is coming up and Feisty Media is celebrating this by doing a live podcast recording on why equal opportunity is no longer enough. So join us on March 7th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. So that is 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a panel conversation about what it means to embrace equity in sport. We'll hear from four women who face a variety of different challenges in the athletic sphere on what equity means to them specifically. And you can sign up over at womensperformance.com backslash IWD or just head to womensperformance.com and you will find all of the fun stuff. Definitely check that out. It's going to be a really, really cool evening. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this conversation with the awesome Allison Tetrick. All right. Allison Tetrick, welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm so excited that we are finally, finally doing this. (laughs) I know it's been a few. It's been a few, you know, anytime mm-hmm. I get to talk to you is a great day. So thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Of course. I always say whenever I'm talking about sponsorship for cyclists or anything related to like public relations, I always cite you as just the absolute best pro that I've ever dealt with because anytime I have ever needed something, you have always been like right there with like, here's the quick hit answer. And it's my absolute favorite thing about you. I mean, <laughs> other than you, know, you as a human, but work-wise <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate you reach out and that you trust me and my um, opinion, I guess, or feedback and thoughts. Um, and it's always great, uh, especially for women in this industry, to support each other, share some of our intel, our experiences. And I think that is something I am very aware to make a conscious effort is to respond mostly promptly. Um, and because it's it's a great opportunity, though, if you know you have a voice in the sport or the business space of this fitness industry uh, to give that. Uh, information when you when you're asked. So I try never to say no. <laughs> and I deeply appreciate that. Um, so let's maybe give uh, listeners some some context. I realized we could take all day just kind of explaining what you know, where you've been where you are now, but like, give us the like 60 second elevator version of, you know, how you got into cycling, and then where you are now in the sport. Great. Um, well, I'm Allie Tetrick, uh, born and raised in California on a cattle ranch. My parents still have an operating cattle ranch. Um, didn't play a lot of organized sports growing up because we live in the middle of nowhere. I still am currently in Northern California. I'm in Petaluma, um, which is Sonoma County. Uh, I played actually NCAA tennis. So I was an All-American playing tennis, um, studied biochemistry, actually worked in a lab in chemistry research and drug discovery. Uh, and my grandfather got me into cycling, um, after playing tennis, I was still really competitive. I uh, wanted to find some sort of a avenue for my fitness love and just that kind of endurance sports junkie started running, got into triathlon and it was my grandfather, uh, who kind of elbowed me and told me I'd be a really great cyclist and bought a bike off of eBay, drove to Colorado to surprise him with my new bicycle. It's pretty cool. And and then it was just the rest was history. So I started racing bikes uh, around 23 years old. Um, the first couple months of racing was um, able to attend a talent ID camp for USA Cycling at the Olympic Training Center, join the national team, race professionally, world tour, podium at the world championships, represented the USA at the Pan American Games, et cetera. Um, won a lot of races there. And 
it was awesome. All the big races, beautiful. And then I just, I started thinking like, what else is there, you know, when you're lining up for these amazing races, but you're just kind of like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. um, had a lot of bad injuries in there, which you and I have talked about traumatic brain injury, had some life flights dealt with a lot of mental health through recovering and still recover from repeated head injuries. Um, and I, I found gravel in 2017, one unbound, one gravel worlds, three times, a lot of gravel races around the world. Um, and just have been thinking about what this beautiful sport gave me as a platform, um, not only connections like knowing you, Molly, but also industry partners and just watching the women cycling and engaging with this um, just gorgeous community. And so what could I do with this platform that basically almost made me lose my life, um, not only from blunt physical trauma, but then also emotional trauma after that. Um, so really um, focused on working on advocacy, brand activation, and helping our athletes and just community and industry partners succeed in um, cycling and endurance sports. It's so interesting that you managed, you happened to make the shift into gravel back in 2017. At the time, did you have any concept of like, oh, this is a trend worth watching? Or did you just naturally like catch the like perfect wave there? Definitely was like the perfect storm or wave, however you want to say <laughs> it. But um, at that time, you know, and there's still events that are like that. But, you know, at that time, it was fun. And um operating in a silo as a very strict professional athlete into, oh, I can just go and ride all day with some really cool people, kind of see how fast I can go, but be connected, you know, instead of like being on this pedestal and getting there in your bus and leaving. And it's very clinical to joining something that felt a little more rogue and fit my personality and definitely where my headspace was at that moment. So I did not calculate that. However, once I, you know, win unbound and then go on to win all these, you know, things and start getting to gravel, I'm like, oh, this is right where I'm supposed to be. And it's making a huge impact in our sport. Um, still, you know, as it's changing and evolving and still seeing quite a bit of growth too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how how was that feeling? I mean, even the shift from road to gravel and then the shift from gravel, and you're still obviously racing it, but like into that more, we'll call it like ambassadory side of cycling. Did you ever have stuff come up where you're like, like missing racing or like just feeling kind of strange, like seeing all the racing happening and not being part of it. Cause I imagine that must've been like a weird shift, no matter how warranted or needed it was. I, um, I didn't, which meant I made the right decision. Um, I, I think I, I, you know, my now husband, but I would tell he was my boyfriend at the time, you know, and I'd be like, I have zero FOMO, like of looking at other racing and, and so it became about what brings me joy, what I like, I will still sign up and race. I'll still just sign up and ride. I will lead a community pace group and raise money to get more kids and more women on bikes. I will. And it's just like, what do I want to do versus having somebody dictate? This is your schedule. This is what you need to look like, say, act <laughs> instead um, working. Um, I work with Specialized uh, very closely for the last I'm going now five years. Um, we've launched several bikes, saddles. You know, so being a part of not only the community cultivation, but also diving into product development for when it needs to be specific for women and when it doesn't and how we can keep supporting um, this brand and also our community. So I think it's just about, I don't know if you do this, Molly, but I'll write like, what are my goals? You know, so I kind of like keep your own mission, vision, values, and if it aligns with that. Um, so yeah, zero FOMO looking at races now. I'm like, oh, that looks hard. It looks scary. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay admitting it. Cause you hide so much of that as a professional athlete. You don't want to be like, you don't want to do the blood in the water. You don't want to be like, Oh, I'm depressed. Actually I'm on antidepressants. I am, you know, really stressed. Um, uh, so during my whole career as a cyclist, I maintained a full-time career elsewhere, um, in marketing and advocacy with the large biotechnology company, Amgen and worked all sorts of ways, but it was just fun to be able to like choose your own path. And we all have the power to do that. It's just, a ma- it's scary sometimes, but also you, it's a lot more calming if you know, you made that decision and you have thought about it and relied on your support team to help guide you to where you want to go. So mm-hmm. pretty happy where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. seems like thing, things are going great. And you also recently started Saga Ventures. So talk about that. What was that like? What made you decide to kind of actually make this more of an official business instead of just kind of part of what you do? Tell me everything. Yeah. So during the pandemic, we all know how that was. Um, And being a, a racer more specifically at that time, but also an ambassador, but was you know, a lot of the sponsors were focused on racing and we couldn't for a year. So we became like content generating tools, um, which made me feel like, because I don't really do anything cool. Like I don't do wheelies. I don't like send it, you know, I'm like, they're like, what can you do? And I was like, get a lot of snot on my face and ride all day. Like I'm good at that. that. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, my now husband and I, um, his name is blaze. Uh, during the pandemic, it was our sourdough, basically. So instead of making bread, we started a business. Um, he has a full-time job, which is also not just me. Um, I consider myself his full-time job, but he reminds me, <laughs> he reminds me often that I am actually not. Well, yes, I am. Okay. But um, so we started Saga Ventures um, to help utilize this platform, you know, and I'm gonna say we because it it takes a team. It's not, nothing individual, but this platform that bikes has allowed me to create and interact with people. And how can we give back? Because I felt very selfish just being like, yeah, look at me. I won. Look at me and my fancy bike. <laughs> look at me riding, you know, <laughs> this article. <laughs> and so we created Saga Ventures to ultimately um, help brands activate, speak, you know, take very complex issues, whether it's like a nanotechnology, biotechnology, endurance, junkie talk, and make it snackable for audiences, and then ultimately raise money to give back to our sport. So we have worked with a lot of nonprofits, um, scholarships for Girls Riding Together, which is a NICA program. We started here in NorCal High School Cycling League. We expanded to Emporia, Outride, which is great. Um, Working with Love Your Brain now due to my traumatic brain injury, um, background, um, but giving back to make sports more diverse, equitable, and increase opportunity. And because of, you know, how hard that is to like donate money to nonprofits, and you know, so starting a business actually made a lot more sense. So we could legally be much easier to do it. Um, and it's been incredible. We've, we're having a blast with it. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully just giving back. So working with brands with a purpose is is our big thing. And then like ultimately, like I said, bring more people into our sport, especially women and kids. I love that. Okay. Can you give me an example of what one of these activations has looked like? This is fascinating. Um, well, we just started out too, just selling bandanas of all things. Um, and we worked with a specialized teammate of mine, Sarah Sturm, uh, Sturmy, and she designed some bandanas. We sold them and the proceeds went to scholarships for NICA, specifically Girls Riding Together program. And through that, we could fund 
just athletes, like, cause the cost to enter cycling is so high. And so, um, if we could get work with my partners to help with donate bikes, equipment, helmets, camelbacks, you know, anything you need to ride a bike. And then also the cash for the program to be able to, um, give scholarships to student athletes of financial need. So I never thought it'd be selling bandanas, but it worked and they're cute. Um, and then also working with Zwift. So I had a, a great, pro, um, a great partnership with Zwift still do, but helping with their branding, creative, um, surrounding their title sponsor ship of the Tour de France FOM of X Zwift. So I had the FOM shirt on, um, but coming up with watch the FOM, you know, and helping with that whole branding strategy and working with the team there, um, to activate their support of women cycling. So adding value to the company and then also giving, the voice of the athletes to the broad public to increase fandom and, you know, the whole visibility is viability. So the more people watch, the more women win. So working with them on that has been super awesome. I'm very proud of that project. Also, I'm super jealous of that t-shirt because like, I loved the, the, like every, all of their marketing, except for the fact that it was all so hot pink. And I mean, aesthetically, that's, I, I just can't. Um, I it try. is their color yeah. palette, though. You know, I know they sent. I know, this, I know. I, like, I know where I can get you this shirt. I'm like, give me that shirt. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. It, yeah, I don't know if this is on video or not, but it's a cute little white crop with just bombs across the front. I freaking so love cute. it. <laughs> I need a neutral. This is what I need. <laughs> um, okay, I love that because that's sort of such two very different things. And the first thing I want to come back to the bandanas because product is like actually trickier than one would think. So did you did you have any learnings as you were trying to do that? Because I feel like bananas seem simple, but the actual reality of getting all that stuff done is uh, a little more complicated. I think it was, you know, so it's a CPG, right? And that's just, that's it's terrifying because you have to put up so much money mm-hmm. up front, hoping people invest and believe in what you're doing. And then ultimately I want to take the proceeds to then donate so when we first wrote the check for, you know, thousands of dollars, you're we like, oh, no, like, did we just eat thousands of bandanas or what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're gonna have to start sewing them together into like quilts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is my new carpeting. <laughs> yeah, it was really terrifying. I think we we lost a lot of sleep, you know, or just, but, you know, he's. He's um Blaze is much more pragmatic and engineer minded. So, you know, he has his spreadsheets and I'm just like, I have this great idea. Let's do it. And then I'm like, oh, my goodness, are we doing that? So, yeah, I think going into products is is very difficult because you want to make sure people want it. And it's a consumable item that adds value and not only to your company, but also ultimately if you have a an advocacy side of this or a give back. Um, but I I did, you know, listen to too much how I built this or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think people get asked for donations all the time, but if there's a tangible product or a connection they can have, it's much easier to donate when you get that product, the connection with the person that sold it to you or the company, and then you know where it's going. And I think though that made it much easier, um, which I never knew people would buy bandanas like they did. Um, still very small company, but we were able to then cross that barrier of our costs and then start giving proceeds to programs that we believed in. Um, but, you know, asking you for 50 bucks, Molly, you might not, but you might buy a pair of Toms, right? Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And bandanas are such a smart one because I mean, 
typically in cycling, I feel like it's socks are tend to be like the big thing, but I actually love a bandana. I think that's, that's a really smart move because it's something a little bit different, a little bit fun. And like, it's something that, you know, if you just put in a drawer, it's fine, but you can wear it so many different ways. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, I think it just looks kind of cool. I'm a cowgirl at heart, as you know, but, um, you know, gravel kind of has that we don't need to wear skin suits or I mean, there's definitely people that wear skin suits. It's shocking. I, I'm so done with skin suits and aero bars after all my racing. I'm like, oh, no, I just want to look cute, like non-branded, subtle colors, a little pop of color in my bandana. Be able to pee really easily, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love that. The little magnet on the back. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> game changer. Just game absolute changer. game changer. <laughs> I call it the free to pee. Especially, I was like, it. that's not what it's called. It's like called the drop tail. And I was like, yeah, free to pee. Got it. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to come in with some marketing shifting here. Uh... I'm like, I have some great ideas. They're like, yeah, maybe, maybe table that one for now, Al. <laughs> We're going to put that one over here. Um, but speaking of marketing, with your background in marketing for sort of these more, these like bigger and biotech and all of this stuff, how did it, I guess, how is cycling different? Or how is it the same as marketing to all of these other places? Like, did that help you? Or did you have to kind of learn a new way to market when you shifted into doing more of the cycling stuff? I think working in highly regulated industries, and I still do, um, really helps because the level of excellence, if you're regulated, not only by the SEC, the FTC, but also the FDA and how you can sell things and not mislead your consumer. And so the level of excellence you're held to more highly regulated industries really teaches you when you get into like this rodeo that sometimes the bike industry, it's just like, <laughs> it's like cowboys out there. You're like, what in the world? <laughs> you yeah. guys can't say that. Yeah. Like, and not what? like a positive cowboy way. <laughs> no, I mean, I do. Yeah. I like a cowboy, but maybe not like somebody that's just like shooting at the hip. Like this doing will make you 320% faster. We swear. Yeah. And like some of their verb, like some of the, the words you I'm like, didn't you guys think that through? Like, that's not very welcoming. That's, oh God, the cringeworthy thing. Like, they come out and then they have to like shut it down. So I think it really helped me approach it much more professionally with that high level of excellence. Mm -hmm. But then there's also in less regulated industries, there's so in smaller companies, there's so much more room to be agile with your marketing, which I missed some of that, where you can be more creative, more agile. You can have like, you know, more funny, quick responses to tweets and not be like, oh, I need to send that to the lawyers before I say that. Like, so I think the increase of agility and creativity um, is is super compelling as well. So you can kind of play around with that. I think there should be a nice balance, you know, of that where you're still very professional um, and there's a plan because a lot of times these smaller companies don't have a communication plan, communication pillars. Like, what does Q1 look like to Q4? What is like our KPI here? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <They're> like clicks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, you even mentioned the, like the, the mission, the, the values, that kind of thing. Like, you know, whether it's for yourself or for like the, the business that you're working for or the business you want to start, I think having that in, in your brain when you're thinking about marketing is huge. I think so many brands would avoid so many missteps if they checked their mission and their values before posting that tweet. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and does it align? Like, and it, yes, it can be you personally and also for your brand. And so, you know, you know, these are their four things that they want to cover. Um, You know, is it they want to be perceived as fun? Do they want to be elitist and like the fanciest? You know, I mean, there's space for that, you know, like looking at like, 
like LVMH or something, right? When you look at their marketing, you know, they want to be luxury, you know, and that's fine. That is what they want to do. And then there's places that I want to be like, oh, everybody's welcome. Mm-hmm. It's affordable. Come party. You know, so it's just what does your brand or you want to do? But if you work for a brand, you have to absorb and hopefully believe in their mission and values. And then that helps you be much more successful at your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so that I, that was something I really wanted to talk to you about is for someone who's just getting started with their small business, say, that wants or even even if they're their small business, right, if they're a coach, or if they have a product, that kind of thing. How would you think about maybe maybe walk someone through like thinking about that? Like, what are your mission? What are your values? How would you get started with any marketing like steps, because I think that's so intimidating for people and they're afraid to even put themselves out there. And what I've loved about you is you are not afraid to put yourself out there in the most authentic way humanly possible. And I love that. <laughs> I think at first you need to know what your end, end result is. So what is your pie in the sky dream? Um, I usually take goals from pie in the sky. You know, that could be I want to win Olympics, world championships or, you know, I want to be sold on Amazon or I want to make, I don't know, bicycling magazine's most wanted hair tie. I have no idea. Right. (laughs) So what's your pie in the sky dream? And then what are some realistic milestones you can get to there? Is it like I now have increased my follower account? I have sold X amount of product. I have made these connections with these incredible angel investors, VCs. You know, so you can have these little milestones. And I think we do that in training as well, which is what we're here for too, right? Like, yes, you want to compete your first 200 mile bike race, but first that starts with getting on your bike a couple of times a week and then adding mileage. And so maybe you do your first entry, you do your first group gravel ride, and then it's an event and then you're building up to that. And it's the same thing in business. You, you can see that end goal and you want to remember what that is. But there's so many milestones along the way you can check your progress. And then the other big one, too, is is that it's like, how much are you willing to spend? So budget's huge because I think a lot of small business owners and even bigger businesses that we work with, they don't like, yes, you want this influencer, you want this athlete, you want this ad, but what does that cost? And I think so much in our sport, too, we're so scared to spend money on things because you know, you, there's a lot of freebies and bro deals and, uh, you know, it's just like, if you want professionalism and you want to increase this market, like marketing, you have to also increase that budget a bit or see if it's realistic. And if not, that's okay. You can get super scrappy, like organic reach, you know, you can get really scrappy and gritty there. Um, but realizing too, what you can get for the budget you have to get to each milestone. And eventually, ideally, it all snowballs and it starts just accumulating. But, you know, there's some really cool businesses that are just like short, you know, not a lot of head head count or anything like that and not a lot of budgeting, but they can make a huge impact by just having great relationships with the right people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, have there been any like really great marketing things in cycling where you like watch something and you're like, oh, that was fantastic or that, that you did that you're particularly proud of other than, of course, the Watch the Femmes because... Oh my God. Amazing. I am obsessed with watch the film. Like I like just like, like tag it all the time. Like, remember this? Um, it's great. But, um, and also always watch the film people just always like in business volunteers, just keep watching. Um, (laughs) but, uh, 
I actually shamelessly, I'm going to say, um, when we launched the mimic saddle was specialized in 2018. Um, I said vagina in a little one minute ad over a million views on YouTube. And, but that was, I was happy with them taking the risk. I actually did not suggest that copy. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give me like a shot of something. Like, I can't say that. <laughs> the comments, the comments. <laughs> it and it just went. And um, it was uh so the mimic saddle. Now we've we've keep evolving. Now we have mirror, which is 3D saddle technology. So once again, like I was very uncomfortable on my my saddle. Um, and I was not sponsored by specialized or anything, but I reached out and I was like, hey, we got a problem with this whole saddle situation and women. Like, we're built a little different down there than men shocking. And they said, ah, yeah, let's do it. So we did a years of this research and product development and we finally launched it. Um, but basically it's just supporting soft tissue and a woman, a woman's physiology. Um, very specifically men also like it. It's a very comfortable saddle. And then, like I said, we have expanded that, but to, to have them be willing to take that risk do a really high, high budget, high quality video marketing campaign, where I'm just saying women aren't comfortable. Let's talk about it. Um, and I, it came out in Australia. And so I was asleep when it first came out and I hadn't seen it. No one sent me like <laughs> the cover. So I, um, I wake up and my phone's just blown up and I'm like, Oh, what does oh, it no. look like? Yeah. And, um, so I, I watch it and I, I'm like, okay. And I love my mom a lot and she's very conservative. And so I, I take the YouTube and I send it to my mom and those little dot, dot, dots, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, it's 59 seconds. It's 59 seconds. Like dot, 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 dot. And then she goes, sorry, I was laughing so hard. I couldn't respond. <laughs> I know. I was like, Amazing. okay, I still have a mother. <laughs> this is good. Making her proud every day. It's so funny. You and I have that in common. We both have very conservative moms and I have my book Saddle Sora and I go around and give like the women's talks where, you know, I'm opening, we're talking about vaginas. It's great. And I always have to say my mother still hasn't forgiven me for this book, but she loves me anyway. <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> I um yeah. And I, I, I would so speaking about this in at the dealer events that specialized this when the saddle launched and I would go to the dealer and retailer events. And um, the first couple of times I literally was like alcohol, which is really bad, but it didn't. But, you know, it was a joke. I'm just like, I'm so nervous because I'm speaking to hundreds, like 200 guys in this audience. And mm -hmm. I'm going to like, I'm looking for like friendly, like women faces. I'm like, is there? Oh, I think I see one. <laughs> like smile, eye contact with me the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by like day four, you know, as these retailers kept coming in, boom, I had my jokes down. I was like, you know, if you guys don't know, physiology is different. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, and I, they, at first they're like, I'm uncomfortable to laugh. And then later, you know, they're like, okay, she's, she's just throwing it out there. I'm like, I guess that's, I was survival though. Like I'm proud of it, but also I was terrified, but it was like, I went to survival mode, which is sometimes over the top. <laughs> yep. You know, it's funny. I've had the next level thing happen though, where I've been at talks and I've had women come up to me after and they're like, you know, technically you should be talking about the vulva and the outer labia and the inner. And I'm like, oh my God, everyone understands what I mean when I say vagina. Like I got that too. They're like, technically it's the vulva and the outer labia. I got so many comments and I was like, yeah, but we don't say that as women, right? Like you're not, no. we don't no. say that on a ride. We're just like birth control. Birth control is happening right now. Guess 
Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> that's what we say. And yeah, I, that is the, that is the hill I'm willing to die on. It's like, I'm sorry. I know technically speaking, we're talking about the labia and the vulva, but like, let's be honest, everyone understands what we mean when we say vagina. And honestly, it's funny that as we're like having this conversation where I'm just like saying this all <laughs> very frequently here, I think vagina is actually like the most like casual version. Like that's guys, guys get what you're saying. They're more comfortable with it than if you start getting into like the like biology chart and like explain exactly where everything is. Yeah. And I think though that that goes into marketing though. You can, that's what we were talking about at the beginning of this, where you can take kind of complex clinical issues from, like I said, nanotechnology to physiology, everything like that. There's clinical terms, but there's also ways you can market it and make it Oh God, I was going to say snackable, which sounds totally wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can edit that, but you know what I mean? You're making it like easier to consume, like, you know, easier to digest or yeah, this is all sounding really weird now that we're talking about that, but you, you know, so you can take these complex, very clinical things and make them into layman's terms where it's very easy. If you see a sign or you read a blurb, you're like, I get it. I understand and also that's funny. Or, you know, if you make somebody laugh, make somebody think, and then remember your product, ultimately, you know, there is success with that. So God, that sounds so weird. Okay. Oh my God, um, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> okay. Just going to change the change it there for a second then, because like when you're bonking on a ride, we just say we're bonking. We don't say, oh, I have low ATP because I don't have enough glucose in my system. Exactly. Exactly. You're just like, I'm bonking. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's the deal. You want to take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside Tracker is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your Inside Tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life. So convenient. And then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a go-getter. So definitely, definitely check them out. Save time in your day, add time to your life with Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw. And if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty, you get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20% off today. Okay, so shifting, yeah, shifting away from vaginas for now. Um, <laughs> how, Only you and I could do this. Like I how, know. I, I know, so appropriate <laughs> for this. Um, I feel like we need to go on the road with this, this women's cycling talk. We, we do so great. <laughs> we do really well, except we both like to hide in our little like holes yeah, over here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, okay. Introverted, extroverted's over here. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So with all of these different things going on, especially now where you do have kind of, you know, you've got this project you're working on, this project is almost done, this project just got started, this project still needs, you know, the contract side. How are you keeping track of everything? And I want like the granular, like, here are the apps I use, here's like what I keep on paper, here's where I keep my calendar. 
because so many people get like I was just talking to a friend who wants to get into freelance type stuff and she's like how do you manage to like keep different things rolling and it's a system it is a system I um I don't know how qualified I am I do manage to keep everything rolling I I am a touchy-feely person so um first of all we can go into the total like I have all the feels like I'm an empath like I lose sleep every night replaying conversations. I'll replay this podcast in my head. I'll be like, I should have said this to Molly. And like, I, and I've all the feels and I had a great day on the bike with a great, like a good group of people. And like, do they know I love them enough? Or people buy bandanas. I'm like, do they know I care enough? And like, how much this means to me? Like, I almost wish I wasn't like that. But so I'm a, I'm a feel person. I'm a, so with that, I also like writing. Like, I am an old school pen and paper to do list in a Sharpie because, you know, nice and bold. I, I do a lot of to-do lists and Sharpies um, and prioritize. And then um, I have, I have lists in my, um, in my steno. I do an eight and a half by 11 steno notebook. Mo- most of the time in Sharpies, which Blaze is like, you're wasting a lot of paper, right? Like, you know, <laughs> like you're writing really big, but I'm like, it's very important that I remember mm-hmm. to do this. Um, and I have like a list in there, Allison, are you bored? You know, can you write? Can you do this? Can you do that? If not, delete some photos on your phone. Like I have that on my too. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when you're just zonked from a day and you're like, I should use this next 45 minutes to be productive. Um, I do uh, with clients. Um, Google Drive is very easy to and I have some templates that I use for proposals for contracts, um, planning their communication, marketing, mission, vision. You know, my own is in there. Um, and then also clients I work with. So I can go back to that. And that's also helpful when you get new clients. You can use some of, because you can't, I think to try to keep as much as you can is helpful because you might, oh, this reminds me of a project I did a few years ago. I think they would do very well with that. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to recreate the wheel every time you're working with a new client or project is very helpful in time saving. But I do like my solid to-do list. Um, like I said, pen and paper for me, um, organizing things in my inbox via client and folders. Uh, I have future ideas, influencer status, and then like Swift, we do, you know, everything else I do in, in folders. Um, and then when I wake up, I prioritize uh, today. What do I need to get done today? And a lot of times I will make sure these are the three things I need to do before I get on my bike or exercise. And it's fun though, because it's a carrot. Like, my reward is to ride my bike. Reward is also working with these wonderful people, but it's like, you need to do these three things before you get on your bike. Um, and an interesting exercise we also use, we mainly me, cause I needed it. He's better at organizing his time, but, um, is to see what I, how I was spending my day. And it was really fun for a few days to track how much time you're wasting and like how you could improve that. Like how long did I spend scrolling Instagram in bed with coffee before I actually started working? And so trying to like transition that time to write or be creative when my brain is still fresh um, and and structuring how my day looks and where my energy was ebbing and flowing. Um, and I think that's very helpful to uh, organize your schedule and then also see where you are your best. Mm-hmm. And then when you get in those flow states to not ignore them. I love putting on a chamois sometimes. And then suddenly I am like, I think I should podcast with Molly right now. I think I actually should write that, that pitch right now. And it cracks him up. Cause I'm just walking around in my chamois in the house, for, clean chamois, thank, thankfully, but like 
for an hour because suddenly I'm like, now is the time I need to write that proposal. And so you just prioritize like what you're going to do for a day. Like, and then also I have another list too. Sorry, I have so many lists, but the other list too is, is like potential, potential pitches. So you're, you're talking to freelancers, like, do they want to pitch to Bicycling Magazine specialized to, you know, whatever, right? Chocolate milk. I, you know, I don't know, like, you know, wherever you want to pitch and like you have that list. And so you can kind of think of like who, you know, there. Um, and then, cause sometimes you don't have time to pitch it right then, but you're like, I like that company. I think I could help them. I would be excited to wake up in the morning and work for them. Just write them down. Then that gives you the freedom to remember and also to move on for a second and come back to that when you're ready. But, you know, there's so many cool companies and projects out there. It's just a matter of of remembering what excites you. And then and then then we can go into being a little bit brash and fearless and and just throwing yourself out there. Like if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. And you have to be like, hi. <laughs> and what's the worst thing they're going to say? No. Um, and I had one other thing that I found very helpful early in my career. Uh, I. <laughs> I had this great like VP at Amgen, uh, just incredible mentor. Um, but it was, it was working on what I wanted to do with my career, like where I was in the sport, where I wanted to be professionally, which is not just an athlete, but something more. And I wrote down five people. I wanted their jobs. And I wrote all five people and, and said, hi, I might want your job will you talk to me and tell me how you got to your job? And I talked to all five. They all said, yes, I'm talking. These are big people. Mm -hmm. I didn't get turned down. I talked to all five and out of those five, I only wanted one after I like only one job after I talked to all of them. (laughs) I was like, Oh, that sounds awful. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to do PR in that. That sounds horrible. Well, and I think where you've ended up is actually really similar to me where you don't necessarily want like one thing where you're only doing the one job for one person. You kind of like having all of these little pockets. So it's like, okay, I'm kind of like, I'm tired of having the marketing hat on. I want to go over here and get really creative with some writing. And then I want to get creative on a different writing project because that one's not really working. And just kind of keeping all of those. Because every time I talk to different companies, I'm like, oh my God, I love what they're doing. They're doing this amazing initiative. This is so cool. I want to be part of this. I'm like, oh, I can in a small way. I don't have to be 80 hours a week for this one place to be part of something. Right. No, I am with you on that. I uh, And I think right now for me, it's too, like, I'm like, I don't know if I could ever go back to just that one thing. I like having all these different avenues, but I get really good express myself on, I like, you know, analyzing, thinking about it, solving problems, being creative, but there's so many different outlets for that. And so for freelancers, it's for balancing it. Like if you do like a normal spreadsheet timeline, but I I would suggest, first of all, just really look how you structure your day, what time do you want to spend to be creative? What time you want to spend to pitch? What time do you want to like call those five people or try to set up calls? Because people are also very willing to give you guidance. Um, And it's flattering too for them. You're like, I really respect you. I really want your job. Talk to me, you know, (laughs) or how can I work with you in the future? You know, like, and that's where we were talking about. It's like putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. And the worst case, they don't write you back. Okay. Yeah. So. Fine. Your job anyway. Good luck. Whatever. (laughs) Seems like your job sucks. You can't even email me back. (laughs) 
I think that's like one of the best connections I've made, um, which you should actually should have her on the podcast, but Melanie Strong, um, she's a former Nike exec and I work with her at Next Ventures, um, but she is just a huge advocate for women in the sports industry and health and wellness. And I cold emailed her, goodness, Molly, in like 2009, because I was like, I want Nike to sponsor me. They didn't, right? But um I was like, now's the time. They need to sponsor a woman cyclist. Like, this is what all this was happens. And I, I find the only woman exec at Nike at the time I could find that like was in cycling. And I wrote her. I was like, hi, I'm Allie. Don't you think we should work together? And she wrote me back. They didn't work with me. But then now fast forward like 10 years, I get to consult for Next Ventures and work with this incredible woman. And when I call her for this job, I was like, oh, yeah, it's funny. I wrote you in like 2009. She's like, did I write you back? And I was like, yeah, you did. (laughs) She was like, oh, thank heavens. Amazing. Oh my gosh. But then I get to work with her and she, oh, she would be very good on this podcast, by the way. Okay. She's, she's on the list now. Um, And actually one thing I was thinking about as you were talking about the, you know, putting yourself out there, I think one thing that you do really well that I think freelancers in particular could be thinking about is your captions on Instagram are so good. They're so thoughtful. They're such a good example of your writing and i feel like if you're trying to you know if you want to be a freelance writer the captions are a great place if you want to be a photographer then the photos are like putting that out there so you have this portfolio online that people can look at is so smart that is um Thank you for that, by the way. My captions, I'm I'm very jealous though of people that don't have to do captions. Like they just put like a hot picture of them on a bike and it's like fire yeah. emoji. And yeah. I'm like, man, I have to like tell you about, you know, <laughs> my mental health journey and a story about my grandfather and this wonderful man I met on a ride and all my feelings. And you guys just do the fire emoji. <laughs> but um I use Instagram and you're right. I do use that for practice because if that is how I'm going to write little paragraphs or snippets each day, you know, I try. Um, I do find a lot of creative energy from that and I I enjoy it. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's another thing on my list are like post ideas, you know, like because you might not have time in that moment. But if you just write it down, whether it's digitally or like me in real life, just using it, um, I, I write it down. I'm like, oh, that's a good story. Like, how I met this person and how they much they mean to me. I have a good photo. When I have time, I will write that. And mm-hmm. it'll be really special to me and hopefully them and to the community. Um, but I have noticed lately, um, this would be a good call for freelancers because I I am a task a lot of times with finding like a freelancer or like whether it's a photographer, a creative, you know, a designer. I, right now I'm like, I'm on a search for a few roles for some projects I'm doing. And the the amount of people that don't have portfolios online, like I want to see if you're a designer, show me your work. And a lot of these people, they're like, this person's awesome. And I look and no followers and it's, it's a personal page. I get it. But show me like a professional page then. Like, how do I know how good you are? Mm -hmm. And I want to hire you, but I need to see it. Yeah. I need to justify the hire. (laughs) Yeah. And, and. I think sometimes too, if you're doing a collaboration with a a creative or a designer, um, this is where being active on social media, as much as we want to hate it a lot, really helps with that hiring process because the more, the more followers or, you know, space you have. And if I want to hire you, that 
the collaboration is going to be much more successful because we're going to amplify each other's messages. And then those jobs are going to keep coming in. So, you know, if you are a writer, maybe try with the captions or if you're a creative, like do a separate page. If you want to like have one page for your kids or your cats, like I love those pages. Those are my favorite, but I also would like to see your work and your ability. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think I know, but like it's scary though, because you're like, oh, my friends don't really care about my cool logo I just did. But I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Friends aren't paying the bills. So put it That's out. There. <laughs> I had a, a, I was a little upset one day because, um, dear friend, I won't name her here, but she's one of my best friends. But she's like, oh, you're so annoying on social media. And I was like, yeah. And I kind of like kind of teared up for a second. And I was like, oh, but I love you. And like, you're in my wedding and I'm in yours and we're friends. And, and I was, I said it to a mentor of mine and she goes, she's not your audience. That's what I was just going to say is you're not posting for her. Like she can text you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think that's like a scary thing. Cause it's hard. You get negative feedback from people you love and also just people with like, you know, truck man, 1797, you know, whatever. <laughs> I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So that actually leads me to one question I really wanted to ask you is like, what do you do as far as, I mean, setting boundaries and making space for that, like self-care, the mental health, all of that, when, you know, Ali Tetrick is also who you are, not just the the business Instagram, right? Yeah. I think you, I've gone through and I still do, this is every day, but you go through a lot of imposter syndrome. You know, if somebody says, oh, that was really helpful. Thank you so much. I'm like, was it enough? And then the other person's like, stop talking about that. It's so annoying. You're like, ah, I'm sorry. Was it too much? <laughs> I know. I'm too much. I'm not enough. <laughs> what am I? Um, I think uh, you go back to like we were saying, though, it's back to that mission and values of like who you are as a person. And my brand is authentic and it's me. Um, sometimes it might be more positive than I actually feel, but riding that positivity helps me be more positive and approach myself with more grace. And so, um, I, I go onto the owning your truth and if it's true to you, makes your heart sing or possibly you're grieving and you're writing something that you're dealing with or sharing something and it goes back to who you are and why, and maybe it's not to help everybody, so I think that's where you have to separate that. And it's very hard. I don't have that that down. Um, I do chuckle, though. I take it a lot lighter than I used to. And also as your following increases, your audience increases, or you're in different campaigns, it's pretty funny how like nasty people can be. And I don't like, I think I put this on Instagram the other day, but I had somebody that just kept going on, like, I was posting too many pictures of my husband. They're like, less of him. I'm going to less of him, less of him. And then finally they're like, I'm sorry. I have to unfollow you. I don't want to see any more photos of him. And I was like, that's funny. I, I like was not offended. And then I post like the sexiest photo I could find of us together. I was like, yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, if you don't want to follow me. like, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So I try to get thicker skin and. I had uh, one friend that did tell me, though, if you lose sleep and you remember the handle, like, and you remember that person and they're being, like, pretty mean, like, that's when you block. But I don't really, I don't really block that many because I've been pretty lucky. My, my, they're so wholesome. They, they're so nice. They're just like, oh, we're all in this together. Like, people are so nice. They really are. So there are some, like, trolls, but honestly, I believe in the goodness of human beings. And 
our ability to support each other. Um, yeah. Now that said, do you have a point at night where you like turn the phone off? Do you have any like rules for, or like on weekends or when do you separate from work? <laughs> I tend to separate more on the weekends um, because my husband's not working. So I get, you know, more of his attention and I love it. So it's, I try not to, but also part of my job at events sometimes is to do a lot of social media takeovers and activate around just showing the the beauty of where I am and what's going on. Um, and that's that's work, right? So need time. It's work. So I don't I don't have rules. I don't follow rules very well. So, but I, I think I have a very good guide of like when is it time to be present? When is it time to engage? And I do a lot of content that might've been from a few days ago, you know, like I might take it, but I'm enjoying my moment so much that I will post it later. Um, so most of the time people maybe don't know where I actually am, but, uh, I think, I think rules are helpful. I, I just haven't actually done that. Um, but like we were talking about even scheduling this podcast. I I do, if I'm feeling anxious and then just like, it's just too much or this travel, I'm exhausted to, be able to say, hi, Molly, I'm so sorry. I really don't have a good excuse. I'm just really tired and just can't, you know, I can't give you what you want right now. Um, and you and I were talking about that, to have that freedom, to be able to say it, and you don't really need a reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think realistically, like the end result is going to be much better, right? Like if we had talked the, you know, day, like yesterday or whenever, it wouldn't have been this good of a conversation because you would have been feeling flat. It would have felt really forced and you wouldn't get the good result. So I think the energy, like leading with the energy maybe is like the better rule than trying to like block it into time. Right. And I, I, when I first started the gravel thing, like it was really fun because it was an adventure. Um, and I had such a strict schedule for 10 years racing world tour and then gravel was like, Oh, I could do whatever I want. And it was just growing so exponentially. I just said yes to everything. I had a year of yes. And it was a blast. Like, yes, Iceland. Yes, Oklahoma. Yes, you know, anywhere. Just I'm going. And then a couple of years of that, I'm like, I'm going to have a year of no. <laughs> like, just no. <laughs> I love it. I'm tired. <laughs> Is anyone else tired? And so from even like, well, we did from my parents were here for Christmas and then they left the 26th and that's a, it's a great time. You know, it's family time and holidays and we had a rule. So this was a rule we did just know anything from December 26th to January 3rd. No, no dinners, no new year's parties. No. Amazing. <laughs> the only thing we did do rides, but only if we were riding to meet them, no driving to ride. No. <laughs> and I have never woke up on January 3rd or 1st or 2nd, like so refreshed. I'm like, wow, we just needed to say no. And not that we don't love our friends and family, but just to hunker down and just be like, no. Love it. I love it. <laughs> I kept it for another week too. He's like, okay, now it's like January 8th. It's probably time that you should start saying yes. Your list is getting real long. <laughs> I was like, I'm still on vacation. No, it's funny. I actually had to say to Peter, I was like, I am really bad at taking breaks because I remember how much I enjoy breaks. And then to get going again is definitely, it's hard to get that flywheel turning again, especially when, you know, like us, we work for our set. Like our main thing is to turn stuff in for ourselves. We don't really have like a manager sitting at the desk over there being like, hey, where's that thing? Yeah, I know. I I put like to do list like it like I do the alerts on the Google and still I'm like, eh, 
I'll just invoice them later. That's the other thing, like invoicing, that takes time. I was like, can I bill for my invoicing time? I know, I know. Yeah, that's the one thing like freelancers really miss is the the amount of work it takes, not just invoicing, but then following up on the invoice. Isn't it weird too, how, how we like, feel bad about invoicing. Do you feel that? I'm like, hi, you owe me some money. How are you? I hope your kids are great. How was the birthday party? By the way, here's my invoice. Let me know if you have any questions. And I'm like, just pay me. <laughs> oh, and then two months later, you're like, hey, sorry to be bothering you, but could you pay me maybe? <laughs> no, I always do like, oh, it's been raining here. Life is good. I hate to bother you, but I just had a great trip. I just was following up. So sorry again. <laughs> Maybe this should be like our 2023 resolution for each other here is like, no, we're going to be more business. Like, where's my money with our invoicing? New goal. Stop apologizing for asking about where my money Why do we do that? Hate to bother you, but. And then I'm also able to be like, hi, I'm Allison. Do you want to sponsor me for this? Because I think I'd be great in that. Like, I can do that. I'm not like, I'm so sorry to bother you. <laughs> but then once I do the project, I'm like, oh, it's me again. Remember me? Oh. <laughs> okay. We need to work. That on sounds this. so weak. Okay. We'll get better. We'll get better. We're going to get better. And actually it's funny because I was literally the last thing I wanted to ask you about was as you're working with these big companies at, you know, going into the negotiations, forget the invoicing, let's talk the negotiations since uh, we can be bold about that. How do you, how do you advocate for yourself when you are kind of sitting down, especially, you know, in a, you know, a lot of these companies are guys. You're talking to the big CEOs, people that have, you know, all these mahogany chairs and desks and whatnot. And you're like, please give me money for things. Um, how do you advocate for yourself here? Especially in the bike industry where everything is free or like oh, exposure. God, everything's free. That's what I was telling you back to the budget. It's like, just, um, you know, I, I think, you know, your worth. And then you also need to know the industry. So you can bill certain clients different. Um, and it's also to the level of what your interest is and belief in that company. I will take, I will take less if I think I could be a huge impact and it excites me and I'm like, you need my help. I will enjoy doing this. Okay. Um, I do know what I am worth. Um, and I think I read it in like this negotiation book. It was really good. Um, do you remember the name of the book? And if you don't, can you send it to me later? <laughs> I will send it to you. It's it's actually was game changing for me. Um, we'll put it, it in the show yeah. notes. Thank you. Uh, and what it basically said, like how to help me. The the I took out a lot of nuggets in this book, but the one that was very helpful is being like my comparable rate in this industry is X an hour or whatever. I understand you might not have that budget. That's my worth. Let's talk. But I it's about going up a little higher, you know, and, and also knowing, and I'm not lying about that. That is what I make in certain industries. And I understand this industry might be different, but that's my worth. Let's go from there. And because they're not going to go up. <laughs> it's true. No one has ever like negotiated with me. It's like, we're going to give you more money. You didn't ask for it, but here's take another 10%. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's like, <sighs> So it's, it's, it is about advocating for yourself that way and believing in it. And it's also um, just, I don't know, it's showing up for yourself and, and not taking it personally because at the end of the day, it is business too. And it's business for you and it's business for them. Um, and the book is called uh, Never Split the Difference. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. It's quite good. Um, Excellent. So, yeah. No, I think I think that's a really good point to kind of 
end that with is just like not taking it personally when they say it, no, this is the max we can do or like, no, we can't meet that. A lot of it's, it's very rarely about you as a human. It's about what their bottom line is. Right. And, and you can be flexible with that too. And I think there's also ways you can be creative with added value. So I know we're talking about freebies and, you know, the bike industry, but you know, like what if you got a bike plus maybe less than your, you know, I don't know. <laughs> There's ways though that are not monetizable. Like it's not just cash, but h- like, are you going to be on the cover of the magazine? Are you, you know, how are you going to be showcased? Are they going to share you across their newsletter? You know, there's ways that, that are maybe not just money, but ways to amplify and add value to yourself and to the brand um, that can go into that negotiation as well. It's true. We always joke about exposure being kind of a BS thing, but it actually like, I mean, if we're talking about alongside of cash, then it actually can be a really great thing. Like there's a lot of places I write for where I don't even have a byline, but I'm compensated, you know, because I don't have that byline, I'm compensated differently. And then other places I do have the byline and maybe I make a little less, but that byline actually really means something because it puts my name out there. So you're right, like different situations, different, uh, yeah different pay, different exposure. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think, I mean, I'm still very, um, you know, because we're talking, I am a feely, you know, I have the feels person. So it is like, take a deep breath and remember to, it is business um, and advocate for yourself, but then also be open to negotiations and open to other ways to make it work if that's what you really want to do. Um, and you can get creative on that. Uh, and you are your own biggest advocate. So to also remember, it's just business for them as well, right? Like at the end of the day, there's some ROIs, there's some KPIs, there's the bylines, you know, all the little acronyms and big words, but it's, it's, you know, what you can do to be most successful for both the brand and yourself. Love it. I love it. Okay. Let everyone know where they can find you all over the interwebs. This was such an amazing discussion. Oh, I love talking to you. Um, well, I'm Allie Tetrick on Instagram. I'm at AM Tetrick, A-M-T-E-T-R-I-C-K. If you're interested in bandanas, literally, I think the easiest thing is just to Google Allison Tetrick bandanas, <laughs> but it's a Saga Ventures site. Um, and we have only a few left, but we're going to do a new, a new round and some different merch with some future partners this year. So we're excited about that. Um, and yeah, find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I know I'm still on Twitter. I love Twitter. So I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I was literally just posting on Twitter before we got like a minute before we got on. Uh, but that's a story for another day. Right? Yeah. Oh, I go, I'll have to go look. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ali. This was so much fun. And hopefully we'll get to do this in real life soon. Yeah, um, I'm I'm very excited to, to talk of something so much more about just bike racing and what we can do in this industry and really support each other and just make our industry more successful and also a safe and equal and diverse space um, and just keep pushing those barriers together and using our own resources to help. So you've been so instrumental in my life. Thank you. Ditto. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I absolutely loved that conversation. I feel like I learned so much just kind of about that like PR and marketing for yourself, for your small business. And I just really appreciate how Allison has really always looked outside of the box when it comes to marketing initiatives. I mean, oh my gosh, bandanas. Can we just talk about how brilliant that is? I love it so much. Uh, And I mean, really, I think she's one of my number one inspirations for 
just going after stuff. I mean, like we talked about, uh, she said in one of her Instagrams recently, bulldozing is the only way I know how to proceed forward. I've never been known for my finesse. And frankly, I think we could all use a big heaping dose of that. So let's get out there. Let's bulldoze our way into whatever it is that we are trying to talk about market, uh, you know, do PR for it. Let's just get out there and put ourselves out there. All right. If you have any other questions about marketing specifically or for next month's topic, all about product creation, definitely hit me up over on Instagram. That's at business.of.fitness or find me at Molly J. Herford on Instagram. And hopefully I will see you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. And oh, if you loved this episode, please do me a huge favor. Leave a rating review. It would mean so, so much. You know, these, these podcasts are just so much fun to do. And the more women we can help kind of get into this space, the better it's going to be for all of us. So definitely make sure you're sharing episodes that you love, rating, reviewing, all that fun stuff. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend.